section four of the mabinogen volume three by anonymous translated by charlotte guest this librivox recording is in the public domain section four manathon the son of fleur when the seven men of whom we spoke above had buried the head of bendigide fran in the white mountain london with its face towards france manawithan gazed upon the town of london and upon his companions and heaved a great sigh and much grief and heaviness came upon him alas almighty heaven woe is me he exclaimed there is none save myself without a resting-place this night lord said frideri be not so sorrowful thy cousin is king of the island of the mighty and though he should do thee wrong thou hast never been a claimant of land or possessions thou art the third disinherited prince yea answered he but although this man is my cousin it grieveth me to see any one in the place of my brother bendigide fran neither can i be happy in the same dwelling with him wilt thou follow the counsel of another said Prideri. i stand in need of counsel he answered and what may that counsel be seven cantrefs remain unto me said Prideri, wherein rhianon my mother dwells i will bestow her upon thee and the seven cantrefs with her and though thou hadst no possessions but those cantrefs only thou couldst not have seven cantrefs fairer than they kikva the daughter of goingloi goyingloi is my wife and since the inheritance of the cantrefs belong to me do thou and rhianon enjoy them and if thou ever desire any possessions thou wilt take these i do not chieftain said he heaven reward thee for thy friendship i would show thee the best friendship in the world if thou wouldst let me i will my friend said he and heaven reward thee i will go with thee to seek rhianon and to look at thy possessions thou wilt do well he answered and i believe that thou didst never hear a lady discourse better than she and when she was in her prime none was ever fairer even now her aspect is not uncomely they set forth and however long the journey they came at length to deved and a feast was prepared for them against their coming to narberth which rhianon and kikfa had provided then began manawithan and rhianon to sit and to talk together and from their discourse his mind and his thoughts became warmed towards her and he thought in his heart he had never beheld any lady more fulfilled of grace and beauty than she Prideri said he i will that it be as thou didst say what saying was that asked rhianon lady said Prideri, i did offer thee as a wife to manawithan the son of fleur by that will i gladly abide said rhianon right glad am i also said manawithan may heaven reward him who hath shown unto me friendship so perfect as this and before the feast was over she became his bride said pois tarry ye here the rest of the feast and i will go into england to tender my homage unto caswasan the son of belli lord said rhianon caswasan is in kent thou mayest therefore tarry at the feast and wait until he shall be nearer we will wait he answered so they finished the feast and they began to make the circuit of deved and to hunt and to take their pleasure and as they went through the country they had never seen lands more pleasant to live in 
nor better hunting-grounds nor greater plenty of honey and fish and such was the friendship between those four that they would not be parted from each other by night or nor by day and in the midst of all this he went to caswasan at oxford and tendered his homage and honourable was his reception there and highly was he praised for offering his homage and after his return pradary and manawithon feasted and took their ease and pleasure and they began a feast at narberth for it was the chief palace and there originated all honour and when they had ended the first meal that night while those who served them eat they arose and went forth and proceeded all four to the gorseth of narberth and their retinue with them and as they sat thus behold a peal of thunder and with the violence of the thunderstorm lo there came a fall of mist so thick that not one of them could see the other and after the mist it became light all around and when they looked towards the place where they were wont to see cattle and herds and dwellings they saw nothing now neither house nor beast nor smoke nor fire nor man nor dwelling but the houses of the court empty and desert and uninhabited without either man or beast within them and truly all their companions were lost to them without their knowing aught of what had befallen them save those four only in the name of heaven cried manawithan where are they of the court and all my hosts beside these let us go and see so they came into the hall and there was no man and they went on to the castle and to the sleeping-place and they saw none and in the mead-cellar and in the kitchen there was naught but desolation so they four feasted and hunted and took their pleasure then they began to go through the land and all the possessions that they had and they visited the houses and dwellings and found nothing but wild beasts and when they had consumed their feast and all their provisions they fed upon the prey they killed in hunting and the honey of the wild swarms and thus they passed the first year pleasantly and the second but at the last they began to be weary verily said manawithan we must not bide thus let us go into england and seek some craft whereby we may gain our support so they went into england and came as far as hereford and they betook themselves to making saddles and manawithan began to make housings and he gilded and coloured them with blue enamel in the manner that he had seen it done by Tlarsar the less go with and he made the blue enamel as it was made by the other man and therefore is it still called couch lassar blue enamel because thlasar thles with had wrought it and as long as that workmanship could be had of manawithon neither saddle nor housing was bought of a saddler throughout all hereford till at length every one of the saddlers perceived that they were losing much of their gain and that no man bought of them but he who could not get what he sought from manawithon then they assembled together and agreed to slay him and his companions now they received warning of this and took counsel whether they should leave the city by heaven said pradary it is not my counsel that we should quit the town but that we should slay these boars not so said manawithon for if we fight with them we shall have evil fame and shall be put in prison it were better for us to go to another town to maintain ourselves so they forewent to another city what craft shall we take said pradary we will make shields said manawithan do we know anything about that craft said pradary we will try answered he 
there they began to make shields and fashioned them after the shape of the good shields they had seen and they enamelled them as they had done the saddles and they prospered in that place so that not a shield was asked for in the whole town but such as was had of them rapid therefore was their work and numberless were the shields they made but at last they were marked by the craftsmen who came together in haste and their fellow-townsmen with them and agreed that they should seek to slay them but they received warning and heard how the men had resolved on their destruction for Derry, said manawithan these men desire to slay us let us not endure this from these boors but let us rather fall upon them and slay them not so he answered caswell san and his men will hear of it and we shall be undone let us go to another town so to another town they went what craft shall we take said manawithan whatsoever thou wilt that we know said Pradary. not so he replied but let us take to making shoes for there is not courage among cordwainers either to fight with us or to molest us i know nothing thereof said Pradary. but i know answered manawithan and i will teach thee to stitch we will not attempt to dress the leather but we will buy it ready dressed and will make the shoes from it so he began by buying the best cord wall that could be had in the town and none other would he buy except the leather for the soles and he associated himself with the best goldsmith in the town and caused him to make clasps for the shoes and to gild the clasps and he marked how it was done until he learned the method and therefore was he called one of the three makers of gold shoes and when they could be had from him not a shoe nor hose was bought of any of the cordwainers in the town but when the cordwainers perceived that their gains were failing for as manawithan shaped the work so Pradary stitched it they came together and took counsel and agreed that they would slay them Pradary said manawithan these men are minded to slay us wherefore should we bear this from the boorish thieves said Pradary. rather let us slay them all not so said manawithan we will not slay them neither will we remain in england any longer let us set forth to deved and go to see it so they journeyed along until they came to deved and they went forward to narberth and there they kindled a fire and supported themselves by hunting and thus they spent a month and they gathered their dogs around them and tarried there one year and one morning Pradary and manawithan rose up to hunt and they ranged their dogs and went forth from the palace and some of the dogs ran before them and came to a small bush which was near at hand but as soon as they were come to the bush they hastily drew back and returned to the men their hair bristling up greatly let us go near to the bush said Pradary, and see what is in it and as they came near behold a wild boar of a pure white colour rose up from the bush then the dogs being set on by the men rushed towards him but he left the bush and fell back a little way from the men and made a stand against the dogs without retreating from them until the men had come near and when the men came up he fell back a second time and betook him to flight then they pursued the boar until they beheld a vast and lofty castle all newly built in a place where they had never before seen either stone or building and the boar ran swiftly into the castle and the dogs after him now when the boar and the dogs had gone into the castle they began to wonder at finding a castle in a place where they had never before then seen any building whatsoever and from the top of gorseth they looked and listened for the dogs but so long as they were there they heard not one of the dogs nor aught concerning them 
lord said pryderi i will go into the castle to get tidings of the dogs truly he replied thou wouldst be unwise to go into this castle which thou hast never seen till now if thou wouldst follow my counsel thou wouldst not enter therein whosoever has cast a spell over this land has caused this castle to be here of a truth answered pryderi i cannot thus give up my dogs and for all the counsel that manna withan gave him yet to the castle he went when he came within the castle neither man nor beast nor boar nor dogs nor house nor dwelling saw he within it but in the centre of the castle floor he beheld a fountain with marble work around it and on the margin of the fountain a golden bowl upon a marble slab and chains hanging from the air to which he saw no end and he was greatly pleased with the beauty of the gold and with the rich workmanship of the bowl and he went up to the bowl and laid hold of it and when he had taken hold of it his hands stuck to the bowl and his feet to the slab on which the bowl was placed and all his joyousness forsook him so that he could not utter a word and thus he stood and manawithan waited for him till near the close of the day and late in the evening being certain that he should have no tidings of pryderi or of the dogs he went back to the palace and as he entered rhianon looked at him where said she are thy companion and thy dogs behold he answered the adventure that has befallen me and he related it all unto her an evil companion hast thou been said rhianon and a good companion hast thou lost and with that word she went out and proceeded towards the castle according to the direction which he gave her the gate of the castle she found open she was nothing daunted and she went in and as she went in she perceived pryderi laying hold of the bow and she went towards him o my lord said she what dost thou hear and she took hold of the bowl with him and as she did so her hands also became fast to the bowl and her feet to the slab and she was not able to utter a word and with that as it became night lo there came thunder upon them and a fall of mist and thereupon the castle vanished and they with it when kikfa the daughter of Glau saw that there was no one in the palace but herself and manawithan she sorrowed so that she cared not whether she lived or died and manawithan saw this thou art in the wrong said he if through fear of me thou grievest thus i call heaven to witness that thou hast never seen friendship more pure than that which i will bear thee and as long as heaven will that thou shouldst be thus i declare to thee that were i in the dawn of youth i would keep my faith unto pryderi and unto thee also will i keep it be there no fear upon thee therefore said he for heaven is my witness that thou shalt meet with all the friendship thou canst wish and that it is in my power to show thee as long as it shall please heaven to continue us in this grief and woe heaven reward thee she said and that is what i deemed of thee and the damsel thereupon took courage and was glad truly lady said manna with on it is not fitting for us to stay here we have lost our dogs and we cannot get food let us go into england it is easiest for us to find support there gladly lord said she we will do so and they set forth together to england lord said she what craft wilt thou follow take up one that is seemly none other will i take answered he save that of making shoes as i did formerly lord said she such a craft becomes not a man so nobly born as thou by that however will i abide said he so he began his craft and he made all his work of the finest leather he could get in the town 
and as he had done at the other place he caused gilded clasps to be made for the shoes and except himself all the cordwainers in the town were idle and without work for as long as they could be had from him neither shoes nor hose were bought elsewhere and thus they tarried there a year until the cordwainers became envious and took counsel concerning him and he had warning thereof and it was told him how the cordwainers had agreed together to slay him lord said kikfa wherefore should this be borne from these boars nay said he we will go back unto deved so towards deved they set forth now manawithan when he set out to return to deved took with him a burden of wheat and he proceeded towards narberth and there he dwelt and never was he better pleased than when he saw narberth again and the lands where he had been wont to hunt with Pradari and with rhianon and he accustoms himself to fish and to hunt the deer in their covert and then he began to prepare some ground and he sowed a croft and a second and a third and no wheat in the world ever sprung up better and the three crofts prospered with perfect growth and no man ever saw fairer wheat than it and thus passed the seasons of the year until the harvest came and he went to look at one of his crofts and behold it was ripe i will reap this to-morrow said he and that night he went back to narberth and on the morrow in the grey dawn he went to reap the croft and when he came there he found nothing but the bare straw every one of the ears of the wheat was cut from off the stalk and all the ears carried entirely away and nothing but the straw left and at this he marvelled greatly then he went to look at another croft and behold that also was ripe verily said he this will i reap to-morrow and on the morrow he came with the intent to reap it and when he came there he found nothing but the bare straw o gracious heaven he exclaimed i know that whosoever has begun my ruin is completing it and has also destroyed the country with me then he went to look at the third croft and when he came there finer wheat had there never been seen and this also was ripe evil betide me said he if i watch not here to-night whoever carried off the other corn will come in like manner to take this and i will know who it is so he took his arms and began to watch the croft and he told kikfa all that had befallen verily said she what thinkest thou to do i will watch the croft to-night said he and he went to watch the croft and at midnight lo there arose the loudest tumult in the world and he looked and behold the mightiest host of mice in the world which could neither be numbered nor measured and he knew not what it was until the mice had made their way into the croft and each of them climbing up the straw and bending it down with its weight had cut off one of the ears of wheat and had carried it away leaving there the stalk and he saw not a single straw there that had not a mouse to it and they all took their way carrying the ears with them in wrath and anger did he rush upon the mice but he could no more come up with them than if they had been gnats or birds in the air except one only which though it was but sluggish went so fast that a man on foot could scarce overtake it and after this one he went and he caught it and put it in his glove and tied up the opening of the glove with the string and kept it with him and returned to the palace then he came to the hall where kikfa was and he lighted a fire and hung the glove by the string upon a peg what hast thou there lord said kikva a thief said he that i found robbing me what kind of thief may it be lord that thou couldst put it into thy glove said she behold i will tell thee he answered then he showed her how his fields had been wasted and destroyed and how the mice came to the last of the fields in his sight and one of them was less nimble than the rest and is now in my glove to-morrow i will hang it and before heaven if i had them i would hang them all 
my lord said she this is marvellous but yet it would be unseemly for a man of dignity like thee to be hanging such a reptile as this and if thou doest right thou wilt not meddle with the creature but wilt let it go woe betide me said he if i would not hang them all could i catch them and such as i have i will hang verily lord said she there is no reason that i should succour this reptile except to prevent discredit unto thee do therefore lord as thou wilt if i knew of any cause in the world wherefore thou shouldst succour it i would take thy counsel concerning it said manawithan but as i know of none lady i am minded to destroy it do so willingly then said she and then he went to the gorseth of narberg taking the mouse with him and he set up two forks on the highest part of the gorseth and while he was doing this behold he saw a scholar coming towards him in old and poor and tattered garments and it was now seven years since he had seen in that place either man or beast except those four persons who had remained together until two of them were lost my lord said the scholar good day to thee heaven prosper thee and my greeting be unto thee and whence dost thou come scholar asked he i come lord from singing in england and wherefore dost thou inquire because for the last seven years answered he i have seen no man here save four secluded persons and thyself this moment truly lord said he i go through this land unto mine own and what work art thou upon lord i am hanging a thief that i caught robbing me said he what manner of thief is that asked the scholar i see a creature in thy hand like unto a mouse and ill does it become a man of rank equal to thine to touch a reptile such as this let it go forth free i will not let it go free by heaven said he i caught it robbing me and the doom of a thief will i inflict upon it and i will hang it lord said he rather than see a man of rank equal to thine at such a work as this i would give thee a pound which i have received as alms to let the reptile go forth free i will not let it go free said he by heaven neither will i sell it as thou wilt lord he answered except that i would not see a man of rank equal to thine touching such a reptile i care naught and the scholar went his way and as he was placing the cross-beam upon the two forks behold a priest came towards him upon a horse covered with trappings good day to thee lord said he heaven prosper thee said manawithan thy blessing the blessing of heaven be upon thee and what lord art thou doing i am hanging a thief that i caught robbing me said he what manner of thief lord asked he a creature he answered in form of a mouse it has been robbing me and i am inflicting upon it the doom of a thief lord said he rather than see thee touch this reptile i would purchase its freedom by my confession to heaven neither will i sell it nor set it free it is true lord that it is worth nothing to buy but rather than see thee defile thyself by touching such a reptile as this i will give thee three pounds to let it go i will not by heaven said he take any price for it as it ought so shall it be hanged willingly lord do thy good pleasure and the priest went his way then he noosed the string around the mouse's neck and as he was about to draw it up behold he saw a bishop's retinue with his sumpter horses and his attendants and the bishop himself came towards him and he stayed his work lord bishop said he thy blessing heaven's blessing be unto thee said he what work art thou upon hanging a thief that i caught robbing me said he is not that a mouse that i see in thy hand yes answered he and she has robbed me i said he since i have come at the doom of this reptile i will ransom it of thee i will give thee seven pounds for it and that rather than see a man of rank equal to thine destroying so vile a reptile as this let it loose and thou shalt have the money 
i declare to heaven that i will not set it loose if thou wilt not loose it for this i will give thee four and twenty pounds of ready money to set it free i will not set it free by heaven for as much again said he if thou wilt not set it free for this i will give thee all the horses that thou seest in this plain and the seven loads of baggage and the seven horses that they are upon by heaven i will not he replied since for this thou wilt not do so at what price soever thou wilt i will do so said he i will that rhianon and pradary be free said he that thou shalt have he answered not yet will i loose the mouse by heaven what then wouldst thou that the charm and the illusion be removed from the seven cantrefs of defed this shall thou have also set therefore the mouse free i will not set it free by heaven said he i will know who the mouse may be she is my wife even though she be i will not set her free wherefore came she to me to despoil thee he answered i am flued the son of kilked and i cast the charm over the seven cantrefs of defed and it was to avenge gual the son of cleed from the friendship that i had towards him that i cast the charm and upon pradary did i revenge gual the son of cleed for the game of badger in the bag that poise pen anun played upon him which he did unadvisedly in the court of hen and when it was known that thou wast come to dwell in the land my household came and besought me to transform them into mice that they might destroy thy corn and it was my own household that went the first night and the second night also they went and they destroyed thy two crofts and the third night came unto me my wife and the ladies of the court and besought me to transform them and i transformed them and had she not been pregnant thou wouldst not have been able to overtake her but since this has taken place and she has been caught i will restore thee pradary and rhianon and i will take the charm and illusion from off defed i have now told thee who she is set her therefore free i will not set her free by heaven said he what wilt thou more he asked i will that there be no more charm upon the seven cantrefs of defed and that none shall be put upon it henceforth this thou shalt have said he now set her free i will not by my faith he answered what wilt thou furthermore asked he behold said he this will i have that vengeance be never taken for this either upon pradary or rhianon or upon me all this shalt thou have and truly thou hast done wisely in asking this upon thy head would have lit all this trouble yea said he for fear thereof was it that i required this set now my wife at liberty i will not by heaven said he until i see pradary and rhianon with me free behold here they come he answered and thereupon behold pradary and rhianon and he rose up to meet them and greeted them and sat down beside them ah chieftain set now my wife at liberty said the bishop hast thou not received all thou didst ask i will release her gladly said he and thereupon he set her free then he struck her with a magic wand and she was changed back into a young woman the fairest ever seen look around upon thy land said he and then thou wilt see it all tilled and peopled as it was in its best state and he rose up and looked forth and when he looked he saw all the lands tilled and full of herds and dwellings what bondage he inquired has there been upon pradary and rhianon pradary has had the knockers of the gate of my palace about his neck and rhianon has had the collars of the asses after they have been carrying hay about her neck and such had been their bondage and by reason of this bondage is this story called the mabinogi of minweir and minord and thus ends this portion of the mabinogi
End of section four.